Welcome to Awaken to Sleep Education. All right, so let me give a brief intro to our three amazing panelists tonight. I'm going to start with the person in my upper left on my Zoom. It might look different for you. Uh, Gina, I don't know how to say your last, Pepitone. Mattiello. Mattiello. I should have practiced that ahead of time. <laughs> so okay. Gina is awesome. She's a registered dental hygienist out of New York. She works with uh, at Long Island uh, Dental Sleep Medicine, New York's first AADSM accredited dental sleep facility. That's outstanding. I want to hear more about that. Um, you identify at-risk OSA patients and you work with uh, the AADSM. You have helped create their team training program, offer online dental sleep medicine certification, and you have a passion for educating. You've spoken nationally and internationally. That's a short bio for you, I know. <laughs> move to Rhonda, who's next on my list. Uh, Rhonda, you are... It's weird talking to you. Everybody else, Rhonda... <laughs> has had a 24-year career as a dental assistant. She started off in the Air Force serving our country and our veterans um, and active duty and has spent the entire time of that 24 years looking at airway, learning about airway, focused on it. Uh, if you were here earlier, she talked about the podcast uh, that she's been a part of and just really getting out there and understanding the biomechanics of our airway. Why does it collapse? Not just how to fix that, how to band-aid it. So overall, holistic approach. She's going to bring some of that tonight. And last but not least, Candy, I mean, Brandy, call us. Oh, you're in big trouble. Uh, is a dental industry veteran. She's been a dental assistant, sleep champion, spent of her 22 years of experience in dental, spent 15 of those in dental sleep medicine. She's worked for one of the most well-known uh, dental sleep medicine specialists in the space. She's pioneered a lot of stuff, including workflows, and she's currently part of our Awaken to Sleep team, coaching and helping practices implement good workflows to help people a whole bunch. That is the longest I've ever spent on intros ever, <laughs> but it was short for all three of you. Um, you did good. You guys are awesome, and we are honored to have you here. Genuinely honored. You all bring incredible insights. Um, I'd like to open it up to each one of you first before we get to questions. Gina, if there's one thing you want to get out to the audience right out of the gate, what's on your mind? Uh, sure. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for attending. Uh, so I guess I can share my personal story, which a lot of people do know, but I'll throw it out there again. My husband is a New York City firefighter, and he was involved in 9-11. And at the time, uh, he was rescued after being buried for some time. And after being down there and then helping with all the recovery, he started to develop an airway disorder from breathing all the toxins. And over several years, he would suffer, especially at night choking, gasping, and pretty much I would get angry and just kick him out of the room because it was disturbing me not being aware of what was really happening until eventually he was diagnosed with sleep apnea and additional other respiratory diseases. But uh, so sleep apnea is what I was seeing. He was prescribed a CPAP, but the moment he went to put it on his face, he just froze through it across the room, 
brought back very, you know, scary memories and left himself untreated for several years after that until eventually I started doing some research and I discovered oral appliance therapy and sought out a dentist and the rest is history. So he's been wearing an oral appliance for about 13, 14 years now. And he goes to sleep, wakes up in the morning, not a peep, feels great, very healthy, and has come off a lot of medications because of treating his airway disorder. So uh, that's why I'm here and so passionate about what I do. Thank you for sharing that. I was hoping sure. that you would share that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, for everybody who's not reading in between the lines, he now has a much happier sleeping wife. We're still married 30 years now. Uh, I would not be here if it were not for oral appliances. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. Gene, I'm I'm thankful for you sharing that. Uh, Rhonda, same question. All right. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for being here. Um, so um, I'm kind of, I was the one struggling to breathe while I slept. Um, I am an extraction retraction orthodontic case. Um, so I was lucky enough to start mouth breathing pretty much directly after birth. <laughs> and, uh, and I got to experience all the good stuff that comes with that. You know, the chronic ear infections, chronic sinus infections, uh, you know, the crooked, crowded, retromathic, retronathic mandible, um, the chap lips all the time. I grew up with ADHD like symptoms and, um, and I, I think it was really neat is like when I realized that all of this, you know, this is something that. I didn't know any different. Like I thought sleep made you tired. <laughs> I, I remember in high school, I had three alarms. I had one on each side of the bed and one on the other side of the room, because that was the only way I could wake up is I, I had to physically get out of bed to be aroused enough to like wake up. And, uh, and it wasn't until I started learning about dental sleep medicine and oral appliance therapy. And I was able to like, go back through my story and think, oh my gosh, like I've been looking at all these dental patients all these years that had the same signs and symptoms that I had. I bet they struggle to breathe while they sleep too. Like yeah. mm -hmm. it was like this whole like aha moment. Like I'm the clenching and the grinding and the recession and the, the tongue ties and all, you know, all the things that come with it. And so, um, I always tell people, I'm like, you really become passionate when you can help yourself or somebody close to you. Like Gina was saying, like her mm -hmm. husband, yeah, I mean, yeah. it just, it's life-changing. Yeah. And how do you not tell everyone, you know, that they don't have to struggle to, to breathe while they sleep? How do you not tell people that? <laughs> yeah. Very easily. You stay in the comfort zone and you don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get to that tonight. I promise. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rhonda. Uh, Brandy. Yes. All right. Why are you? Uh, well, I know what kind of similar stories, but my why today isn't my why when I got started. Um, but I, when I did start, I was hired as a dental assistant in a <clears throat> practice that was just getting started in dental sleep. And because I had a medical background from oral surgery, I was hired uh, just to maybe dabble in sleep, but mainly do assisting. Um, and I wasn't the best technical assistant. I was really organized and great with patients, but don't ask me back then to pack cord or make temporaries because I was really bad at it. 
But um, luckily I had a leader that believed in me and believed in the mission and had a vision for dental sleep. And so um, I became the sleep champion and really just got an opportunity to captain that. And then through that, um, the family, you know, the loved ones, it, it came into play where my, my dad, um, we treated him and lo and behold, attrition, grinding his teeth for years. I could hear him when I was 14 in the house, grinding his teeth. And like to you were saying, Rhonda, it's like, oh my gosh. But, and then my son having apnea and almost almost had to be, you know, start taking the medication for something that that's not even what it was. So it's just given me a whole new perspective. And like you said, Rhonda, how can you not just shout it out and and help all of those that and teach coach? So that's why I'm here. Yeah. I love it. You guys each, I, what I have found is the people that are most passionate and almost the most successful in this space are the ones that either have their strongest, deepest why, or they are very connected to why they're doing this. And they really push past the comfort zone. Like I, Rhonda, I kind of joked with that, but that's serious. The easiest way to not talk to airway patients is to stay comfortable, not learn something new, not push out of the boundaries of they didn't come in for this. So therefore we're not going to talk about it. the easiest way to not do anything is to stay comfortable. Right. But our why is what pushes us past comfortable. I mean, most, most of you on here have been on here multiple times for webinars. You know, my why my five month old baby girl, who's now 15, uh, she's five months old, turning blue in my arms. It took that moment for me to actually realize now it's, it's wild that my 12 year old snores once in a while. <laughs> he needs a sleep study. Yeah. When they're your kids, they already signed in a automatic HIPAA waiver. So they're, they're fair game. Um, <laughs> But I mean, yeah, it's it's the why that drives us. Mm -hmm. And that is the passion that I've seen time and again. And I, ladies, I know you've seen it. That's the thing that drives us past those hurdles because where a lot of people will stop because they have great intentions, but not the same passion or the same connection to it. They stop at the hurdles that are yeah. totally normal and germane to just being humans and busy, right? So, all right, I've got some questions uh, to kick us off. Reminder, friends that are on the webinar, we are here for you. If you got a burning question, please put it in the Q&A. <laughs> if you put it in the chat, I will probably catch it. But please, if you got a question for these ladies, put it in the, ch on the, the chat, in the Q&A, and we will grab it. Uh, here's my burning question. Since each one of you has played different roles as part of the team, and so many people in dental sleep medicine talk about how crucial the team is. Gina, will you start us off? Um, tell us, in your opinion, how important the team really is. Is this an overinflated, overhyped thing just to get courses filled up? Is it really truly the secret sauce, or is it something in the middle? What's your thought? So I can tell you that. Being in the dental field since I'm 15, and I'll, I'll give away my age, that's 40 years now that I have been in a dental practice, I can tell you there is not one successful dental or dental sleep medicine practice that doesn't have an engaged and cohesive team. Uh, a dentist or a physician cannot treat their patients on their own. And team is what drives 
the patient relationships. And I often say, even as a dental hygienist, when I was scaling teeth and the dentist comes in and does an exam and will let the patient know, hey, you know, number 30 needs a MOD. And then the dentist leaves and the patient is like, do you think I should do that? Do you believe him? Does he just need to pay his bills or do I really have to do that? So the team is, I think, a closer relationship with the patients. They feel more comfortable. They feel, I guess, even maybe like more on our level so we can have conversations. They build up a trust and we're seeing them frequently. So it's kind of like family. So I feel like if you don't have a good working team behind you, then you're not going to be able to successfully implement any kind of new treatment that you're doing or any new protocols. So uh, I'm all for a team. Yeah, I got it. That I had a feeling you were going to say something like that. <laughs> um, it's, it's on point. Um, I, Brandy, I'll tag you for this. Uh, kind of a, a probing question based off what Gina said. Mm-hmm. So team is crucial. And she mm-hmm. very well articulated this story of what happens in the hygiene room when the doctor recommends something and they leave and then you're left there and the patient sees you more as an advocate. You talked about your relationship with patients and that connection building. Why do you think the patients have a greater connection to you? And how do you properly use that to help them see the benefit mm. in these recommendations? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, Cause I didn't always um, know how, or, you know, there's always room to grow and do better. And um, so for me, uh, it just, there's a CSP training, consultative sales, and it's really the concept of technical, you have all the knowledge, you know about the devices, the bite changes, things like that. But then there's the interpersonal skills piece and just really sitting chair side, or as you would say, Mike, knee to knee, shoulder, shoulder, but um, we can, can, we connect with our patients. We see them, we spend more time with them. Um, we need to take some time to really learn about their family and what they like and what's important to them and what's causing them pain, you know, that type of thing. And sometimes because the dentist is more room to room, hygiene tech to hygiene check, and then it's back to us again, we've had that time to work with the patient prior to dentist coming in and then dentist leaving. So there's just a certain level of trust and an intimate familiarity with your patient that I think hygienist assistants and sleep champions have more. We have the time. And so because of that interpersonal side, it balances out with Yes, you need to do this because it's going to help you breathe better. There's a trust and a level of belief in what you're doing. So um, yeah. I think that's that really helps with conversion, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, but those are all very important. The yeah. connection piece. Okay. And just to drive it home, just a tad further, Rhonda, if you've built the trust of the patient, and this is a relationship. This is not a transaction. This is an ongoing person who trusts you that you want to not betray their trust. How do you position it in a way that doesn't betray their trust, but leans into it for their benefit? What's the tactic behind that? Well, it's simple, especially when it comes to dentistry. It says, okay, this is what's failing in your mouth. So let's, let's backtrack. Like, let's figure out how it got to this point. And then before we can 
we, we, we give you this treatment plan, right? You know, it could be thousands of dollars to do a full mouth rehab or get them in ortho so we can work with alignment or even those who don't want to do that and want to go into like some type of oral growth, growth appliance, something like that. It's the concept of we've got to figure out why this happened, because if we don't figure out why it happened, I don't want you to waste your money on restoring these teeth just for them to continue to fail over and over and over because we're just speeding past, you know, the, the precursor to the failure rate. Like it's, it's basically my end is saying, I want to help you protect your investment. I don't want to see the, the, the dentistry you've paid for already go bad. And I don't want to see the stuff that we need to do now go bad. You know, it's just like, sometimes the wallet, does the thinking <laughs> yeah oh for sure i mean all it, the time, yeah, yeah all, all the time on some level <laughs> and and the i will we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit but the whole concept of it being expensive is relative i mean we, right. we also joked earlier before we started the webinar about what what is normal you know look like the okay so normal and expensive those are relative terms to our patients um yeah i i love I love what you said on the psychology. So I'll just bring that out. We'll move on to the next question. The psychology behind what you said, Rhonda, is loss avoidance. Loss avoidance is a stronger psychological motivator for people than gain. Mm. And you're advocating, right? You immediately put yourself shoulder to shoulder, looking at the picture with them saying, I don't want you to lose this. I don't want you to have to pay this again. Let's figure out what's going on here. So that way this doesn't happen again. You don't have to restore these teeth again, or you don't, you're not looking at dentures later on in your life when you're not in a position to restore them the way that you want to again. Like let's, I love that. Yeah. Loss avoidance. It's a great, great motivator. So good job. Um, Okay. Next question. Um, Well, my screen just did a weird thing. Sorry. Uh, Next question, Brandy, we'll start with you. Um, what things can the dental team actually take over or lead in a sleep practice? And then Gina, we'll, as soon as Brandy's done, I want to go straight to you for this one. I would say a lot, a majority of it. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, when I think about um, the things that I was given the, the agency and the freedom to do, um, the independence to do, it was, it was quite a bit, um, you know, from the, we, we can get real granular here, but the sleep champion working together with everyone, of course, the team can schedule and, you know, do the consultations. And even if it's a pre-diagnosed or diagnosed patient, um, we can go over the case presentation and do the deliveries and the device checks and all of those things that come along with it. Um, it really is a, is a team-driven approach that, falls more, I think, on the team's shoulders in terms of the day-to-day patient interaction. Um, what are your your ladies' thoughts on that? Gina. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, Gina. I didn't want to sound like, oh, well, the dentists don't do They do so much. That's oh, we wouldn't yes. be there without them. But we're talking Absolutely. about the day-to-day, the workflow, boots on the ground, like in the, we get to market, we get to go out and visit MDs and you know, so there's right. just so much we get to do. It's exciting. So, but yes, Gina, yeah. Rondo, you could continue. Or uh, I'm just going to jump in, if I may. Uh, 
as far as team roles, I think that every single person in the practice has a really terrific role to play as far as coming in to the office, first communication with the patient. Our uh, front desk team is always smiling and happy and has this great education background in sleep. So when patients come in and they're asking questions, they're ready and available to just kind of get them over into our operatory. And then once you get back into the clinical aspect of everything, uh, the dentist talks to the patient, of course, and you know we're working as a team, our team members and the dentist together. But when the dentist leaves and a team member can sit there and have the time to really have that one-on-one -on -one conversation and just to jump on what Rhonda was saying before, how did this start and where do you think it's coming from and how is it affecting you and what are the things you want to change about this and what is the outcome that you want to see? And then let me show you how I can take what we do here and correlate all that with what you're experiencing and see if we can get you to this successful, healthy place where you're striving to get to. So I think uh, as far as team, you know, the dentist is at the top and they're driving the whole practice, but all the little moving parts that are keeping that machine moving is really the team. So we play a role in a bit of everything. I love the driving analogy that you just gave, Gina, because uh, we haven't used this officially, but unofficially. If you're as a doctor, if you are in your practice right now and you are the solo evangelist, meaning you are the only person who's been to CE, you're the only person who knows how to identify what these ladies are talking about in the mouth, uh, intraoral signs, all of this. This is the equivalent of the Fred Flintstone one horsepower, one foot power kind of a car. Yeah. When you've got all of the working parts and a calibrated team that's aligned and in motion, in sync together. It is way more than one plus one plus one equals three. It's 17. I mean, the amount of synchronicity that your team can have and where that can propel you with good systems and great team members is incredible. Um, so I have a question for the audience before I go to our next one uh, for the panelists audience. Uh, if you can in the chat or raise your hand, um, how many of you are struggling with or want more information about how the team can be in sync in your dental sleep medicine program. So how many of you want more information on that? I see a couple of hands. Okay, I'm gonna keep going uh, with the next question while you all are letting us know if you want more stuff on team. Okay, um, next question I'm gonna hit on our slides here. Um, most important thing that a team member should do in a sleep practice, uh, I'm going to ask Rhonda if you can answer the sleep champion role. Brandy, if you can answer the most important thing a front office person can do for the sleep practice. And Gina, if you can answer the hygienist role. So one each. Rhonda, if you want to start, what's the most important thing a dental assistant can do to help the sleep practice? Continued education. For 500. <laughs> <laughs> it is the number one driving factor 
to continue to, you know, not let patients walk out of the practice and not know that there's a possible sleep disorder or sleep breathing disorder. The, the key is to educate, 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 educate. Like there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with learning and unlearning and relearning. And it's a skill that most dentists don't know how to, how to like, you know, convey to their team and said, Hey, you know, this is the way we used to think about it. I want to, I want to dry, take the dry erase board and just wipe it clean. And then let's start over. And here's the, here's how we see it now. Like it's, it's really important to continue that education path just to help your patients. And, and a lot of this, like the most important um, thing that I can do on top of CE is maintaining that commitment to my patient. Don't let them fall through the cracks. Like they had their consultation. We reviewed their HST results and then they just drop off the face of the earth. And then six months later, they come back in and the practice and I'm like, oh, oh, weren't we supposed to talk about your airway? Like that doesn't happen on my watch. Like I have a running sheet of who's in their protocol, where they're at, have they had their appliance? I call and make sure the appliance is fitting well after, you know, their two to three post-op appointments. We verify with the HST that the, the oral sleep appliance is doing its job. Like there's this, I'm, I'm the one that's going to keep my doctor accountable so that we don't lose any patients because that's the number one frustration point I see in my patient base is if here we are, we make this big grand gesture about how bad their breathing is during sleep. And then we just, we, we don't bring it up again. Yeah. It was urgent. And then it's not. Well, I didn't die last time you talked to me about it. So <laughs> I'm still, still fine. Here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brandy. I'm on two more blood pressure yeah, medications. And I'm still here. Right. A good point. Yeah. Brandy hit it, hit us with the, the number one thing or the top thing that a front desk person can do to help the it, sleep practice. And to help the sleep practice, uh, front desk person in a dental office. I think, um, just really it, putting myself in the front desk person's shoes is just knowing they need to be aware of what's going on in the back and what we offer. And just really, they don't have to know all the clinical knowledge and know in depth, the scientific information of things, but just at least uh, having a general understanding, but be really good at communicating. Um, because when patients do call and ask about their friend had a CPAP or I saw your CPAP sign, what does that mean? the worst thing is not knowing how to respond. Like you want to be able to speak intelligently enough with that patient to get them scheduled to come in for a complimentary consult or whatever, so that Rhonda, the rock star can talk to them or Gina can talk to them. So it's just really about being comfortable and confident, asking the right questions um, to at least get them in and make them feel good, knowing they're going to get answers. You don't have to have all the answers, but you need to be confident enough to know what the dentist is offering and be able to be intelligent enough to talk to them and, and make them feel good about the fact that they're going to come in and learn more and we're going to help them. And so that I would say communication is, yeah. is huge. I, and for, for those of you in the audience that are listening, Brandy just dropped something super important. You are doing value-based communication, meaning it is incredibly valuable for the patient in plain English that they can understand, but she said something that is absolutely crucial. You have to know your objective in that conversation, just getting them scheduled. So they talk to the next person who's the right person about that clinical thing that you know a little about, and they need to know a lot more about it. That's not your role to have to answer all of those on the phone. I 
Thank you for bringing that up. Value-based communication for your specific objective on that call or in that interaction with the person. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing. Like phone scripts are great for that. Those always help. But I mean, like if a patient calls and says, I need a new CPAP, somehow they got your number and they're like, I need a new CPAP. This has happened. Mm -hmm. Front desk teams that might not be as calibrated or they're learning say, well, we don't do CPAPs here. You don't want that. (laughs) Just because a patient called looking for a CPAP, something really good could have turned into that if we could just get them in and chat with them and educate them on all the other things that they might not know about. So that's what I mean to take it a step further, Mike. Love it. Gina, wrap us up with the the best thing a hygienist can do to help support the sleep practice. Sure thing. So as far as when we're sitting in the operatory and we're talking to our patients, the first thing that we're going over usually is their medical history. And back before I really even knew what dental sleep medicine was, a medical history was you're taking this medication, check. You're taking this medication, check. Okay, we're safe to give you you know, local anesthesia, check. And then you go on to the next thing. But when you understand what sleep breathing disorders are and you know the relationship between certain health conditions, all of a sudden your health history becomes a lot more important. So now, Mm -hmm. yeah, now you're saying, okay, well, last six months ago, you weren't taking this medication. The doctor added it. Do you know why the doctor added it? Has something changed that you need additional medication for? Do you know why that's happening? Is it your blood pressure that's out of control? Why is that occurring? What has changed in your life? And then looking into the mouth, seeing it from a whole different perspective. So not looking at just plaque and teeth and gums, but understanding that inflammation can be from oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. Tooth wear can be from struggling to breathe at night and just a whole new window of, for lack of a better term, maybe opportunity to see more than just cleaning teeth. And when you're having those conversations with your patient and you're just throwing in these little tidbits of information, it kind of can help them to get their mind you know, thinking a little bit more in depth about what's happening. And then you can offer opportunity to maybe go a little further and to your next step, which would be either going to the dentist or scheduling a sleep consultation or a home sleep test and things like that. So I think that's really important for hygienists just to remember they're not just looking at teeth and scaling plaque. And just to, for follow-up, One of the things that has become very accessible recently is telehealth. So in our practice, if I need to follow up on a conversation with a patient, I can just say, hey, you know, how about we hop on a video chat for 10 minutes and let's just follow up about what we talked about. And, you know, did you go see your physician or sleep test or whatever the next step would have been for them? So it's a quick way, easily accessible. They do it from their home and it's still a, you know, close conversation where it helps out a little bit more. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. It's maintaining that urgency that Rhonda was talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You guys. Um, So Joe asked a question in the chat, Joe, thank you for responding. We also have somebody else in the Q and a, which we'll get to in a second, but um, I'm going to take, I'll read what Joe said. And I'm going to ask you all the question. Um, he said, I 
I would, meaning he wants more of a team approach to this, uh, but he's having a problem finding help. I know I'm not alone, but I would still like information. So I'm gonna turn that a little bit around and Joe, we're happy to help. We've got some information for you, um, some more resources that we've got later on tonight. Um, but ladies, for each one of you, if you can give me a, a very short, succinct answer from each of your perspectives, what have you seen work best in your specific roles, your practices, Rhonda and Gina and Brandy, and the practices that have had the highest retention of team? What are they doing to either attract team members or keep team members and in specifically in an airway related practice? So they're in the airway workflow, they're trained, whatever. How do they recruit them and how do they keep them? What are the biggest things? Gina, can we start with you? Sure. Uh, so I would say number one, morning huddles are great to go through your patients for the day. And when you see little clues in there, as far as a patient that's flagged for hypertension or diabetes or anything like that, you're having the conversation with your whole team and what your expectations are. Hey, let's pay attention to this. Let's question this. Let's go from there. And the other thing would definitely be, we do a lot of team meetings and uh, sleep, go to visit for, I guess, sleep lectures and seminars and meetings together as a sleep team. So mm -hmm. we're constantly having continued education for that as well. Okay. Got it. Um, Rhonda. All right. So sleep disordered breathing is a silent epidemic. Okay. We all know this, like it's the root of almost all chronic inflammation and, and all of these autoimmune diseases that we we're just trying to, you know, get the science together to link back now. The key is to help someone, help their, help them, help their family member, help their child, help their husband. As a dentist, that is how we got everybody on board. When you, so let's say I'm a dental assistant and I don't really, I mean, none of this intrigues my interest. And I, you know, if maybe I don't want to learn about it or I don't definitely want to talk about it, like I don't want to do anything. There's someone in your family or in their family that is personally affected from sleep disorder breathing. And if you help them, you will create a cheerleader for life. <laughs> and, and I always tell anybody, if, if you're going from general dentistry and then you're starting to incorporate a sleep aspect to it, help the team first, their children, their family members. And I promise you, you'll get the commitment you, you never expected. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, Rhonda, we talk about that a lot at Awaken to Sleep and in our coaching is, um, you know, we, we call it home team, you know, and that's taking care of friends and family and your team and their, their loved ones. Um, cause you can't do this without them. And then they become your ambassadors. Um, I would add to Gina and Rhonda too. Uh, I'm just thinking back to my growth and I feel like what really helped me in my journey was he, I knew his vision. I knew my doctor's vision and his goal. And we talked about that earlier, but we, and, and he was committed to his vision. And so he invested that in us and allowed us to shine and, and kind of pick what we liked in sleep. You know, not everybody wanted to do the same, have the same roles and that's okay. But we, he let us all kind of, well, what do you like about sleep? What do you do well? And then really encouraged us in that. So I had a really good leader 
and who believed in us and then always invested in us with huddles and meetings. He treated friends and family, like you guys said, and, and it became, he was intentional and he got out of the way and let us do our thing. And that was really exciting. And I think that's what can keep a team and keep that synergy that, that you're looking for. Yeah. And uh, Joe, just to cap that, I will answer my own question with a very different tact than the three of these ladies answered. When you're recruiting, make sure you hire for a profile. Don't look at the people that you have access to. I would strongly encourage build the profile of the person, their personality, their strengths. If this is a sleep champion, they have to be patient centric and focused and wildly organized. You cannot hire a patient friendly, disorganized person. It will break your junk, right? So, uh, and Joe, I'm picking on you because you asked the question. Now you're not going to ask any more questions tonight, Um, but hire for the profile. Find yeah. the people that fit the profile and you will have a much better success rate. It's still hard to hire. There's still a shortage of good people. I I get that. And there's a, a lot of empathy going out your way for that. There's a lot of people struggling with it. You're right. Um, but we still need help. So how do we recruit those people? How do we, like Brandy said, give them the vision that they can catch the vision and get on board with it. And we treat we start treating their family and their friends and help start crafting their personal why based on their contact here, they're going to have roots Mm -hmm. because we just made an impact that hasn't happened in the last four jobs that they've had or the four places they've worked just, just as a, as an encouragement. Um, It's not just a job too. You're hiring someone not for a paycheck and a job. You're hiring somebody that can have the opportunity to change lives of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen, and I've seen a lot of successful sleep champions not have dental backgrounds. So I just want to throw that out there. Sometimes when you hire an assistant, they end up, you take, they end up going to dentistry and they, they get taken away from the sleep practice. I've seen a lot of really good sleep champions, people develop that were just wonderful with patients and loved people and were organized and never assisted a day in their life. So that's okay if they don't have any assisting skills. Okay. All right, so let's let's drive this home. I'm going to ask for two words or characteristics from each of you. Top two characteristics that need to be in a sleep champion. Mm. Brandy. They have to be committed to continual learning. They have to love, want to learn. And I don't know if that's two. a characteristic. That's but... great. Committed to learning. <laughs> We're short on time. We got more. Love fun. people. Committed to learning and love people. Rhonda. Uh, passion. <laughs> And organization, like you said. Passion and organization, Gina. I'm just laughing at Ken Smith's respo- uh, response. <laughs> yes. I never hire a former dental assistant. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm glad I, I got the pass on that one then when I got my career. True. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, uh, definitely uh, extreme empathy and understanding uh, for patients that that's key, very key. And then also somebody who is very patient and willing to take the time, not only to learn themselves, but then to help educate the patient about what they've learned. Got it. I love it. Thank you guys for being succinct with that. That is awesome. Uh, I'm going to skip the question that we have of should a practice always have a sleep champion? 
I think the answer uh, we'd all nod our heads to is unequivocally yes, as soon as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And if you can't, who's going to take the lead until they're full time in that? Mm -hmm. It's the same way you start a scratch dental practice when you are the assistant and the doctor, you really want to have an assistant. So you hire that person who's wildly effective and they do multiple jobs until they can do just that job all the time and do it well. And you want them to keep learning and yeah, same stuff. All right. Um, somebody asked, uh, and this is probably a financial person. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you as a panel. Let's have one of you answer this. Uh, what is the best verbiage to get patients to complete treatment? How do we get yeses? That's a great question. And I saw a couple, I saw a couple of hands go up in the participant in the attendee list. If you guys have questions, I cannot unmute you. So if you can stick them in the Q and A or the chat, I will grab them there. Um, but Jeannie, you started talking. Do you want to answer that? The best well, verbiage. Part is, I don't think there is one specific verbiage that you can use. I think you need to listen to the patient, treat them as an individual, find what their goal is and what they're looking for. And then you have to kind of figure out your wording to help them understand and get them to where they want to be. So I think Basically, you want to find out what that patient's needs are and then tailor your verbiage to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's fantastic yeah. wisdom. I want to add to that, Michael, what you taught us. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> we see some signs and symptoms between your health history and your oral screening that you might be struggling to breathe while you sleep. Let's go ahead and get tested so we can rule out obstructive sleep apnea. Yep. Yeah. We're ruling yeah. it out. We're, we're trying to out. avoid loss. Right. We're ruling something out, but we need a different perspective. Right. And you know what, you guys, if, if they come back with an, and this is where that, you know, splitting hairs, right. If they come back with a negative HST and they have persisting symptoms, what are you supposed to do? The same thing a physician would do. If you're in a state where you're doing the test or you refer it out, they need another test or they need a referral to another specialist. Like, I, I, yeah, this isn't a question. This is a soapbox. So I'm going to do it in like 15 seconds. If the one thing that you just did doesn't work, there are other things you haven't failed. The only time we have failed in this process is when we have patients sitting out there with a no and no next action in front of them. That's it. We're a team with physicians, whether they know it or not. It's our job to help educate, help them. They will see the light of day at some point. So help us God, right? Great. We're going to educate. We're going to treat. You're going to send chart notes. You're going to dial it in. You're going to do lunch and learns. You're going to do a lot of things because we care enough to be uncomfortable to get people the care that they need. The only failure is someone who is sitting there untreated with no next action in front of them. Somebody needed to hear that tonight. Mm -hmm. We just did, you know, our version of Dental yeah. Medicine Church here. Okay. <laughs> um, so Juanita asked, you mentioned medical insurance covering treatment or not. Um, Juanita, that's a different webinar altogether. But the short version, since no one here is front office, um, it really depends on your practice. And I'm going to say the whole term that we said in the beginning, normal and expensive or relative terms. We have a client who has a patient that is currently in AFib awaiting a cardiac procedure. And the only way that surgeon is doing that urgent cardiac procedure 
is when that patient has their OSA treated and they can't tolerate CPAP. They need an oral appliance yesterday. And that doesn't mean gouge them. That means they are highly motivated, value-based. They're getting this, no question, because they want it and they need it. So expensive is relative. And as much as we can communicate value and their care, what Gina just said, they're on a journey. They want a positive outcome. Look at every single pharmaceutical TV commercial that exists. They sell the outcome, the aspirational identity of what the patient wants not the injection for their bone density issues. We got to stop selling pieces of plastic and help people understand the true value of breathing properly and sleeping properly because it is a foundation for life. Sorry, that was longer than 15 seconds. <laughs> Good job, Juanita. Great question. Great. great. And they came here for you people, not for me. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, Ken asked, uh, he wants to do a um, start a strictly sleep practice after selling a general practice. Any thoughts? I'm going to translate that for time. Um, each of you, uh, if you can answer, what are what is one thing that you would do if you're starting a scratch sleep practice? What is one crucially important thing that you would do on that list of innumerable tasks? That's a big list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So find some space. <laughs> start with a big list. Scratch only marketing <laughs> firm. Yeah. Branding I, logo marketing firm. <laughs> I would say spread the word. Go yeah. do a mini little lecture at the library or the senior home or the local YMCA or whatever it is, and let your local public know that you are practicing dental sleep medicine and tell them all about it. And hopefully some people will come. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Become the local expert. Okay. Mm -hmm. Be known for it. And then find the people that are CPAP non-compliant. Mm -hmm. That will get your foot in the door every day, all day. <laughs> yep. I, Ron, I love that. You're fixing someone else's problem. This And to be clear, people, this is not the physician's inability to treat the patient. They've done something to treat the patient. Patient can't tolerate it. Well, they're not going to get a trach and they don't qualify for the Inspire because they don't meet the inclusion criteria. What else are they going to do? Mm -hmm. And they don't know you exist. So we got to give them options. Mm -hmm. Any friction point can be turned into an opportunity with the right perspective. It creates an opportunity. Physician office calls you and they're frustrated that you're treating their patient they didn't know. Turn that conversation into the opportunity to own that you're treating the patient, ask them how they'd like to be communicated with and in what way they would like to refer patients in the future so that you're always on the same page. And you gladly be referring back to them because you were unaware the patient didn't make you aware of that. Like that wasn't a question. Any friction point in the day-to-day -day can be turned into an opportunity with the right perspective. So take a deep breath before you respond, turn it around, figure out how you can build that relationship, speak into it, as long as they're not still yelling, in which case you might wanna just turn the hearing aids down for a second. Uh, Jessica asked, uh, you call a patient and tell them their HST results are in and they tell you that they will call you back to schedule a consult. What is your response? That was my consult. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it around. Um, 
which one of you does con does anyone go over HST results over the phone? Okay. So we're either doing telemedicine consults over Zoom face-to-face -face, where they're sitting down fully focused. You can see when they're distracted or they are physically in your office, right? Okay. What is the best way to get them there when they do an HST? They're referred out or you handed it to them. This is a trick question. There's only one right answer. I would um, say, do, do you want to know what your results are? Right. Yeah. yeah. We, should, we should have them appointed before they go for the <laughs> yeah, test. Right? That, that's what I was going to say. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so if I you're handing it out. That was a given. And, yeah, and you know, it's so did ways, I. Sorry. <laughs> like, no, Gina, you're fine. You're fine. I'm, I'm met. <laughs> I'm making sure everybody, even East Coast, is still awake. Not you guys, but everybody I can't see. Um, yeah, you, they're already appointed, right? So if you're handing out a test, you know it takes three days to get results, you appoint them a week later. If you have to refer them out for a telemedicine consult with the physician, and that doctor's going over the results with them, right? Like whatever your workflow is, know it, own it, reappoint them. If you don't have those results, then you're calling to reschedule the appointment because the results aren't in yet. But let's avoid that as much as possible. Jessica, it's an awesome question and a real life question because what I just said is perfect on paper and doesn't happen with some people, right? Um, workflows, we're kind of winding down on time. Um, Gina, what is one of the workflows that radically changed the efficiency in your office for sleep? Radically changed? I would improved. say that, that the whole the whole team is on the same page. Each member has a role to play and each person follows the protocol. It's always when we break the protocol where mm -hmm. we run into problems. So from the moment the patient calls the office, following the right protocol, going to the next step, getting them appointed, and then following up afterward. And what you were saying before is true. We never let a patient leave without having a follow-up appointment, whether it's their one week, one month, one year, whatever it is, we always have an appointment scheduled for them. So got mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I we all know some front desk people that are very direct, and you might actually be in danger if you don't reappoint their people uh, <laughs> from the back if that's your protocol. Uh, yes, please let me have 17 phone calls to their voicemail, five text messages to get that answer that one of you just shared. <laughs> I will hurt you. You do that twice. You get one. Rhonda, how about for you guys? What was the, what's one nugget that you can give our audience workflow wise that has really geared you guys up? Everybody knows how to help a patient learn to take their next like we do the Knox T3. So like every person in my practice knows how to teach a patient how to put it on and turn it on, <laughs> you know, cause that's like, I mean, that, that data is what's going to help my dentist really mm -hmm. get the ball rolling. And so all of us, I mean, we even made like a YouTube video out of our office YouTube page <laughs> that the patients can refer to just in case they've yep. forgotten over the last two hours, how to turn it on. Yep. And I think facilitating that and making it easy and saying, hey, you know, all of us have done this. Now it's your yep. turn to find out what your breathing is doing while you sleep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Brandy, um, you work with a lot of practices. 
different mm-hmm. sizes, different places, different demographics. Um, from your perspective, what would you say is one thing that practices do like holistically, regardless of where they're at, that really makes a tremendous difference in the team being cohesive around their workflow? Well, um, I mean, Gina and Rhonda both kind of hit it when um, Gina, when she had said just everybody knows their role and everybody has a responsibility. Um, I mean, I think if everyone knows that, but if there's a repeatable process, um, a workflow for for each situation in sleep. So, for example, um, you know, there's typically two types of patients that call to make an appointment, a diagnosed patient or undiagnosed. There should just be a, a workflow or a checklist. I mean, everybody should know where it is and understand it. And as long as that's in place, then it's in, it's producible, reproducible. Um, and then a workflow, Mike, you and I just talked about this yesterday for a patient who's fee for service versus a patient maybe who has insurance. There are different steps and things that have to be done um, for those patients, depending on that. So it's really just, it's systems. It's not like if, if everyone knows their role, but you have a system and everyone knows what the system is, it's like the checklist manifesto. You you'll be all right. So it's just just have a system and be organized with that system, and everyone know what that is for those different scenarios. Um, and and I that's that's I think it's key. It's not a magic potion. It's just knowing your role and knowing the workflow for those different yeah. instances. And I think you'll be okay. Yep. And uh, I'll add, uh, Aaron Elliott might be the queen of good air but Kent Smith is the king of change. Uh, if we don't embrace change, we're stuck. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to be, if we're not already, we're going to be the reason why we can't help more people get our systems together and do more work. If we don't get our stuff together and understand that things are gonna change. To Rhonda's point way earlier, if we don't keep educating ourselves, if you and your team don't keep going to education ongoing, things change. Because we learn and those workflows are going to change. There's going to be other smarter people that they've figured out this one thing that you had to be on that webinar at that course to hear. And it it changes the paradigm and it just all of a sudden lets you hit another gear in your journey. So embrace that change Uh, Mm -hmm. to be the king of change, to embrace change. But it's going to happen. It's going to push us and it's kind of uncomfortable, but that's okay. Ladies, I want to say thank you to the three of you for doing what you do and then being able to say what you said tonight because you're rocking it. Even if Gina's the only one that has a blue marker that duels as a microphone, (laughs) we're all a little jelly, but it's okay. Good night. Thanks for everything. (laughs) Do you, I've said a whole bunch right now. I would like to ask parting words. If there's one thing that you want to tell people to go out and do, Gina, hit us off. Definitely go out and take a course or do a webinar and get some background education. You'll be surprised at what you learn, and then you'll be so happy when you help millions of people. Awesome. Rhonda. Um, just advocate, you know, even if a patient doesn't know, like I said, I didn't know how bad it was until it got better. So, mm-hmm. you know, just advocate for them. Say, I need you to sleep better so that you can breathe better so that you can live better. Like I need that for you. Like, this is not a me journey. This is a you and I want to help you. Mm. Brandy. Don't be afraid to fail forward. You know, it's okay. 
So I was a nervous belly starting off with doing all this, you know, it was so new to me and, but you know, it gets better and better and you're saving lives. It's exciting. So don't be afraid to feel mm -hmm. forward. It's okay. Brandy, you're such a jerk. You took mine. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Fail forward. Yes. I love it. I say that frequently, but you know what, you guys, um, kind of in that same vein, give yourself the room to do that. Like embracing change and being uncomfortable means you get uncomfortable. That's the discomfort zone. But as you continue to do that, it becomes habit. So that's going to be comfortable. So you got to push a little further. Give yourself the room to do that. And, and pardon the pun, give yourself the room to breathe to do that so you can help people get better sleep. And on that hallmark note, we're out. We appreciate you all <laughs> so much. Join us next time. We will have these monthly webinars. We got Dr. Mark Murphy and Eddie Saul coming up. Wow, that's a bag of tricks. One doctor, one physician walk into a webinar. What could happen? A lot. Mm. Yeah, we'll see you in August for that one. And uh, other than that, Y'all have an amazing night, ladies. Truly appreciate you. Thank you for night. tonight. Thank See you. Good night. Thank you for joining us on this webinar. If you'd like more information on dental sleep medicine, education, coaching, or home sleep testing services, please feel free to reach out to us at awakenasleep.com forward slash edu or at info at awaken number two sleep.com. Thank you and have a great day.